You're listening to HR Mavericks, a weekly podcast featuring leading small business HR professionals who share their experiences and insights to help you know how to turn your HR processes and employee experience into a strategic business advantage. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the next episode of HR Mavericks. I'm Garrett Justice, and today I'm joined by Megan Putnam, who's the head of people and culture at Walker Edison. Megan, how are you doing today? I am so good. How are you? Doing so great. It's great to have you on the show today. I'm, I'm excited to dive into this topic. I think it's going to be great. You and I just spent, you know, 20 minutes or so getting to know each other a little bit better and going over what we're going to talk about. And I think this episode is going to be great. Excited for the topic. So before we do that, though, tell us a little bit more about your career background and also your company, Walker Edison. Yeah, I'm Megan. So I have been in the Utah entrepreneur world for a long time. Um, I started in HR with a local family friend. He was building out a business uh, selling protein powders. So any powder you're buying at GNC, he needed some help in his HR team. So I was out there gathering time punches and all of that across these manufacturing workers. Moved on to the construction industry. And that was fun. HR in construction is a challenge, <laughs> but it's an exciting challenge, but it's definitely a staffing difficulty. No one wants to work in the snow and mm-hmm. all the elements of Utah. And then from there, I went to Beauty Industry Group, which is an amazing company. They're always in the rank top 100 and really acquisition focused uh, on beauty products, lots of hair extensions. So I had great hair for three years or so, always getting the fun (laughs) free extensions. And then now I've been at Walker Edison and it's the best job I've ever had. I love it. So I hope I'm here forever. I love it. So tell us a little bit more about Walker Edison. What does the company do? Yeah. So Garrett, have you ever bought anything on Wayfair, Overstock, Amazon furniture? Yes. Yeah. So if you have, you've probably bought Walker Edison furniture. So we partner with these large online retailers and design, manufacture, and drop ship provide furniture through them. Um, and we're continuing to grow. We do have our own direct-to-consumer channel and Shopify site that you can shop through our Instagram. But other than that, we're just supporting these big retailers. And it's really great furniture. I love it. My whole house is Walker Edison. It's a great mix between really for the perfect average American family. You're not Ikea but you're not restoration hardware. It's that perfect price point. Yeah. I'm sure I have to go look now. Cause I'm sure that I probably have some furniture from there too. So yeah, that's great. So tell us a little bit more about your team there, your team that's really focused on people, culture, HR. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what, what does your team focus on? How many are on your team? Yeah. So I used to be called the HR director and then I got a new boss. She's incredible. Joanna McKenna from Walmart came in and she's like, HR is so much more than just HR. It's people and culture. You run the people and culture at Walker Edison. So we rebranded to that. And underneath me, I have an HR team, talent acquisition team, training and development, which is huge career pathing. I really believe in that for the employee, um, as well as an events team. And just recently last year, one of our events people moved over into a diversity and inclusion role and really just stepped to to the plate, wanted to take that on and built out that. So it's been exciting. It's a team of about, let's say eight, I'm trying to remember all the direct reports. We have interns right now. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my direct reports have teams and we're growing, we're growing, you know, probably one of the smaller teams in Walker Edison, but it's okay. We're a support function and we're here to help everybody else. Yeah. I love it. That's so great. And so you said it's one of the, or the best job that you've ever had. Why is that? Oh, it's well, I just, I love being here. Honestly, I feel very supported by my leaders. I have an amazing team underneath me who I feel like, luckily I've hired people smarter than me. Like they are experts in their areas. So they're teaching me things every day. And then Walker Edison has just really, especially through COVID, we have taken the approach of meeting people where they are. You know, prior to COVID, I had my, my, I have two kids and my one daughter was in full-time daycare. When COVID hit, you know, everything shut down. I took her out and we've built a new life. My husband works downstairs mm-hmm. um, and now I get to walk her back and forth from the bus. And I had a baby in March and he's sleeping in the other room yeah. and it works, you know, and lots of companies I've seen have been forcing their employees to go back to work, things like that. I go in probably once a week, depending on meetings, um, sometimes more, and we just figure it out. But I have loved working in a place that has met me where me and my family are. Yeah, that's great. And I think that's so key for so many people today with the changes everyone's experienced, being able to have an employer that trusts you and Mm -hmm. empowers you to do the best work wherever the environment is and kind of helps support you. And that is so key. 100%. Yes. That's great. So you kind of told us a little bit about, um, it sounds like, like many people in HR, it sounds like you kind of fell into HR a little bit. Why mm-hmm. did you choose to pursue a career in HR and what's kept you in the HR space? Yeah. So to be honest, I, on, I went to college on the ambassador scholarship at Utah state and which means that it was an awesome scholarship, great team. And I had to do some college recruiting. So I kind of started doing recruiting there, realized Logan was too small for me. I'm much more of a city girl. <laughs> so came down to the U and did recruiting here as well. Uh, worked in their admissions office. And anyway, then, you know, this entrepreneur in my neighborhood approached me about HR, started working. I for sure thought, oh, when I get married, I'll stop working. Nope. I love to work. Then I thought when I had my first kid, I would stop working. No, I've loved it. And I've had my second Mm -hmm. kid and it's just worked out for me and my family. And I do it because I love it. And it's been great. And I love helping people. I love I think HR is really that liaison between having management's best interest in mind while defending and advocating for the employee. Yeah. You're kind of that middleman advocate on both sides. I love that you mentioned that. I just want to call that out just because I think that for so many small companies, especially if you're like a solo HR person, you struggle kind of striking that balance between, Mm -hmm. you know, the administrative kind of HR work and the more strategic HR work that really bridges the gap between, you know, your executive leadership and your people. And so I love that you called that out. And I just wanted to point that out because I think that's a struggle for so many HR teams, especially the smaller ones, but that is the ultimate goal. And that's how you really show your value as HR is don't just focus on that administrative stuff, but you got to make sure you can bridge that gap and help, you know, educate executive leadership if needed, how HR can be that strategic function, right? Oh, hundred percent. And Walker Edison is really the first place I have had a team. I have been a one man team 
had mm-hmm. most of my roles prior to this. And I feel you. Like, I yeah. know it. You know, I I was doing everything from carrying the catered food up for free lunch Friday to writing a new employee handbook to doing payroll to doing mm-hmm. everything to sitting in executive meetings and building out a strategic plan. So I, you know, right now I mentor some people just on that, you know, how do I do this and this and this? I mean, we wear so many hats and I feel it's so awesome now to have a team of people that do things, but it's taken me many years to be to this point. And I will say, you know, as much of a grind as it is, it's, I have much more sympathy and, you know, kind of the theory that you want to be able to stand in their shoes. Like I've been in those shoes. I've Mm -hmm. gone and got the punches and it's not fun. Yeah. Um, the time punches, but if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't know what a grind payroll is or how recruiting doesn't happen overnight and yeah. all of that. So gives That's you the sympathy, right? That's right. Awesome. Well, Hey, I'm excited, Megan, to jump into this topic today. So as we discussed, what do we talk about today? We, uh, we kind of came up with this idea of culture and mm-hmm. specifically, um, I want to talk a little bit about the culture there at Walker Edison and some of the unique aspects of it, because charity is a big aspect of the culture there at Walker Edison. So I think as we talk about that today, I think there's going to be a lot of really good applications for companies out there to think about their own culture and how do you integrate pieces of, you know, what's innate already in the company to become part of the culture, right? Mm -hmm. So to kind of start us off, tell us a little bit more about some of those core values that really guide who Walker Edison is at your company? Yeah. So we, we have lots of core values. We like to use the tagline, we, uh, mm-hmm. Walker Edison, we, um, mm-hmm. so we celebrate, you know, we use data and our biggest one is we give, uh, we gives our number one. And probably if you ask our employees, they may not be able to name every single value, but they know we give. And it's because it's at the core of everything we do. And we want to give back any way we can. Yeah. I love that. Where did that come from? I'm curious, like some of the context behind where some of those core values came from, especially like the, we give as mm-hmm. you know, most companies end up having, you know, one or two of their core values that are the ones that everyone remembers is just core. And it's just, you know, it's really just inherent in the organization. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit more about that. We give and the background behind that. Yeah. So we give, I would say starts easily from our founders, Brad and Matt, Brad Bonham and Matt Davis. And, you know, one thing that they have always ingrained in me and others is, you know, if I had a tip for local businesses or small businesses is giving doesn't start when you hit a million dollars in sales or revenue or EBITDA or whatever your goal is, Mm -hmm. um, or 2 million or even a hundred thousand. It starts from day one. So he talks about when they were in the grind, you know, packing boxes, doing everything they took an afternoon and went and served at the food bank. Mm. And it started when they weren't even making money, um, but day one. So don't start giving once you meet milestones. Start from the start and call it karma or whatever it is, but it's come back to us tenfold. The yeah. business has grown at an incredible rate. And we love to partner with local charities, local businesses. Um, our CEO sat, was chairman of the board of Make-A-Wish, and continues to be involved with Make-A-Wish. We adopt Wish Kids all the time. Um, my first 
I started working at Walk Rosen in September. And Brad came to me and said, I don't want a kid in the Salt Lake Valley to go without a holiday gift. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do? So my team and I sat for two days calling every elementary school. What do you need? How can mm-hmm. we help you? And lots of them were just, we need jackets. We yeah. need, you know, a fleece. They don't need a toy. They need a fleece sweater. And we just spent hours doing that. And that was top priority to get back. Um, something, if I can talk about supporting local yeah. When COVID hit, you can imagine in the RTA furniture industry, we just took off. Our sales were incredible. We had the best year ever. And obviously, we saw so many businesses struggling. And we came up with the idea like, well, let's give back to these local businesses. Let's give them business. So for like, we're still actually kind of doing it. But every week in 2020 and then through 2021, we have been giving a weekly gift to our employees. So we buy two, 250 for our um, stateside employees items. And they're everything from a local candle company to bread to anything. Any Mm. business we saw that needed some help, we would go and buy two, 250 items and send it to our employees just to give them that little kickback in money. I love that, man. There's so much. Um, I just want to dive into what you just talked about. There's so much that we can kind of break down from that. So first, um, I love that example that you shared just, you know, last there of we give is kind of two-sided there. You're looking to how to support local businesses that might need Mm -hmm. some help and you're doing it by buying something to give to your employees. So it's not just kind of lip service there. You're showing them that, no, we do give, and this is an important part of our culture. So I just wanted to call that out because I, I love that example. You know, going back to what you talked about at the beginning, um, I think it's really interesting. A couple of things that stood out to me is you talked about that value of we give just was inherent in the leaders who started mm-hmm. the company and it, it started from day one. And so for a lot of companies who are still smaller companies and they're trying to, you know, hone in, what are our core values? So you can, we can train our employees as we onboard everything else. Uh, I think one of the things that stood out to me from that example you shared is it has to be true. It has to be inherent in the senior leaders of your company. And it has to have probably been there from day one. So what are those values that are most important to your company and start at the beginning and listen to those stories that those leaders, you know, have shared to kind of help you understand what are those inherent core values? Is that right? Is there anything else you'd add to that? Yeah. I mean, I am right there with you. I think culture is from the top down. Like you can't come to me and say, I want this culture of trust. And I'm like, yes, I know you pay me to do a job, but you are who they're looking at. Like it comes from you, CEO, president, leadership, you know, the executive team. If you're micromanaging and you're not trusting, you're not building a culture of trust. Like as much as I push this culture of trust, it's from you. Yeah. So um, I think that's huge. And you really have to believe it. Like, you know, we give our employees BTO. Mm-hmm. We get, they get eight hours per quarter. And I think, like you said, with lip service, it has to be genuine. If you're rolling out some BTO program and then giving them a hard time for going or, you know, oh, we can't, can't have you do that. We're too busy. 
it's not genuine. Um, I would say you can't afford not to let them go. You know, like you're gaining that loyalty back from them. And if you're hiring the right employees, them missing a few hours of work, they're going to make it up. They're Mm going to, you know, come back to you better. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's a great example. So I I really like that concept though of, you know, start to the top, define your core values. They have to be true and inherent. And then those should really help inform your culture. So for, mm-hmm. for you guys there at Walker Edison, it was a lot about charity. It was about, it was a lot about giving from the very beginning. And that was true and inherent. And so as you think then about, a, as your company starts to scale, you know, you have a mm-hmm. few hundred employees now, how do you ensure that a value like that is inherent in the culture as the company grows and scales. I mean, it's easier when you have such a small team and it's so inherent, you can see it firsthand in the founders there when they care about that. But as the company grows and there's less opportunities for that one-on-one interaction there, how does your team ensure that that persists through all new hires and in the culture? I mean, you shared some examples of some of the things you're doing, but talk to us a little bit more about that. Yeah. I mean, it's a challenge, right? We're living it right now. I mean, when I came here two and a half years ago, we were less than a hundred employees, um, in office, it felt much more like a smaller kind of family environment. Now we're high. Most of us are hybrid all over the place. How do we continue this culture? Um, I would say once again, it's living by example, you know, our VP of sales two weeks ago went and volunteered at the animal shelter with her employees. She's the VP of sales. Like she is very busy. We are going Mm -hmm. into Q4 and she has every excuse in the book not to go, but she does, Um, you know, just like taking time off. If you as leaders never take time off, your employees don't feel like they can take time off. Um, So living, breathing those values. I also think we did, we didn't roll out values until January this last year. You know, we kind of always knew we had these values, but we didn't actually write them down, do some marketing mm-hmm. behind them, give them to our employees. And it was a team exercise. And ex- as an executive team, we came together, we brainstormed, you know, what is Walker Edison all over a whiteboard? Then we kind of, you know, combined words, um, just made things of who we are, and then rolled it out to our employees. I think if you're a founder and trying to roll out seven values by yourself, you're doing it wrong. You need mm-hmm. to involve, involve all the team, you know, every yeah. day. Yeah, that's a great, great point. So tell us a little bit more specifically about We Give. How does your team decide which opportunities to focus on under kind of that umbrella of mm-hmm. giving back and charity? Yeah, so we focus a lot on families and children. That's where we really want to give um, with Brad and Matt's association with uh, Make-A-Wish children mm-hmm. have always been kind of our soft spot. Yeah. So we do a lot with that. And we do tons of 501c3s. Our diversity and inclusion leader, Rosario, has been incredible with partnering. You know, this past year, we've found a lot of service opportunities through the Black Chamber or through Encircle or Equality Utah. We've tried to broaden our yeah. uh, giving efforts to all people. And that's been amazing too. And we've been able to, you know, involve employees where it's close to their hearts. We really listen to employees. Um, You know, like I am not an animal person. I appreciate Mm -hmm. wildlife, but I don't own any animals myself. Mm -hmm. I just didn't grow up with them. Um, Mm -hmm. But we have people that, you know, the pet shelter is their 
their place, their home. So we allow that volunteering and we want it to be uh, important to them. So we listen to their feedback and add those opportunities. So we provide like calendars of opportunities for employees to sign up for, but they also can do whatever they want. Uh, yeah. So. No, I really, I really like, um, that concept is you've established these core values. There's some things that are kind of planned company wide and, mm-hmm. you know, the company as a whole kind of has a couple of focuses, but you also have just taught people about this core value of we give, and then you empower them to think of the other ways to give back to the things that they're really passionate about. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a wonderful way to work, to be able to set that up and have that, you know, I think that's where you, you probably get employees who are just so passionate 100%. about that core value because they care so much about whatever the particular, you know, way that they're giving back. Yeah. And we focus, we focus mostly on 51C3s, but I will say we have, we have done, we have such an opportunity with our tape furniture that we have, taken in a lot of families, you know, family, refugees um, mm-hmm. that need furniture. We've had employees whose, you know, family or friends have lost spouses or, you know, just horrible, horrible things that people go through. And we've been able to do those things as well, just kind of under the table. You know, we don't, I'd say that's one thing that has just made me love this leadership is it's never showy. It's never yeah announced in a company meeting of, look what we did. We're amazing. We helped this family. It's just that I see it come across my email. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. every time I see something like this, like my loyalty to you is even more because you just do it out of the goodness of your heart. You know? Yeah. I love that. Great, great examples. So, um, what's been the impact of charity on your company culture. So in your time there, what, what have you seen have been like the positive business impact mm-hmm. for the business as a whole, for leadership, for employees, from really focusing on giving? Yeah. So we, I would say we spoil our employees, right? We do all the fun benefits. We do all the tech company benefits. I guess you could say, um, we are doing weekly gifts. I mean, our holiday presents are incredible. Like we have flex PTO. I mean, I'd say we've got it all. Okay. Mm -hmm. But you go to our employees and you say, what's the one thing you love about Walker Edison? And they will say the focus on giving back. When we have exit interviews with people, um, I hate exit interviews, you know, but anytime (laughs) they get a new, better opportunity or move, you ask them, what was your favorite thing about Walker Edison? Giving back or what made the most impact wasn't the raise, wasn't the holiday gift any of the fluff. It's, you know, when we went and did this make a wish event for this kid and I saw this child with cancer, just light up the room. That's what is going to stay with me forever. Yeah. I love that. I, uh, I I just want to point out, you know, we at Eddie at our company, we talk, you know, a lot about how do you build you know, a company that can endure, that's a healthy Mm -hmm. company at its core. Um, We also talk a lot about, you know, employee experience and how do you build a great experience for your employees? And I just want to call out exactly what you just said, because so often I think that, you know, we might assume that building a healthy company or focusing on employees or employee experience is about the perks or the pay or whatever it is. But really when it comes down to it, it's the stuff exactly like what you said to build a healthy, enduring company and to really build something where employees love to work there. Often it's 
not those things. Yeah, those things can be important, but it's the core of what you do. It's having a purpose. It's having core values that your company really lives up to. It's making an impact in the broader world. And that's what most people appreciate the most. And that's what really helps attract and retain the best people. 100%. No, I totally agree with you, especially in this COVID world. Like ping pong tables, not getting me back to the office. It's being able to walk my kid down to the bus for kindergarten. Um, you know, the raise or whatever, all that's nice. But in the end, it's the feeling I get when I see a child, you know, get a holiday gift. Um, it's being with my team that brings the bonding doing that, you know, like we do tons of over the top team building activities, but I remember serving lunch at the homeless shelter way more than I do going horseback riding, you know? Mm. So Love it. Well, there's definitely some major impacts from, you know, focusing on giving and charity as a part of that culture. So I think this has been an awesome, awesome conversation, Megan. I really appreciate it. Last question I really have for you before we kind of wrap this up is what advice or what tips would you have for other businesses out there who are thinking about improving their culture? Um, So as you've gone through this process of, you said, even recently defining those core values as a company, and then making sure that especially Mm -hmm giving is inherent through all of your culture. What other tips would you have for, you know, those HR or business leaders out there who are trying to do the same thing? Yeah. So of course, giving back and it has to be genuine. You know, you can't just go say you're all about it and then have your HR rep come to you and say, Hey, can I get $300 to do this make a wish event? And you're like, "Mm, that's too much. Mm -hmm. They're not dumb. (laughs) They know, they know the company is making money, you know, like you can afford to give back. Um, Mm -hmm. So first of all, that too, something that I have thought about my whole HR career is you are not just building loyalty of the employee, you are building loyalty of their family, their community. You know, I say that my husband, when we had my first child, um, didn't really love his job, didn't really love his boss, whatever, but we had our first child, he had three months paternity leave. And, you know, for a year plus, I was saying, but they're so good to you. They're so, you know, when he's saying, Oh, I had an awful day at work. Mm -hmm. I'm like, they're so good to you. You got to stay. They're amazing to us and our family. On the flip side, when I've been unhappy in a role, my spouse is one saying to me, you got to get out, you know, Mm -hmm. like you're not happy. If you build that loyalty from you take care of that person and their spouse, their partner, whoever it is, their roommates. I mean, I don't know how you take Mm -hmm. care of roommates, but you know what I mean? You build that loyalty. You're getting the employee for a lot longer. Yeah. So, because I do think it's the community that it's me saying that my spouse is unhappy saying you got to leave, you know, when we're in the grind and we're in the daily work, it's not so much us. So I think as HR reps, you got to think broader than the employee. Got to think the whole family and how you can help them. I love it. I think those are excellent, excellent tips. Um, Megan, this has been such a great conversation. Really, really have enjoyed it. Um, One of the last questions I have for you that I I really like to ask all of our guests who come on is, you know, at, at our company, Eddie, part of our mission is really just to help local businesses build healthy, enduring companies by focusing on their people. Um, Mm -hmm. And so in your opinion, I'm curious, what, what do you think is the key to building a healthy, enduring company today? trust. I think you have to trust your employees. Um, they're not trusted. They're not happy to integrity. 
you know, I obviously in HR, I see plenty of things and, you know, I lose faith and it takes one little white lie, or one little lie that I'm like, I don't trust you anymore as a leader, as a peer. So always acting with integrity, no matter what. Um, and building that trust, hire people you can trust. If you don't trust them, there's no point in having them there. Yeah. I love, and then, I like love. I said before, that family loyalty, I think it's key. You got to get the buy-in <laughs> from the family and then you have that employee for life. I love that. I think that's a great answer. Trust and integrity that is not only between you and the uh, employee, but also, you know, their family so that they can trust mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So love that. That's so great. Um, well, Megan, if there are listeners who have follow-up questions for you or want to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Reach out to me on LinkedIn. Happy to help. Happy to have a call with anybody, especially that's in the midst of the grind, being the one solo HR person Been there. So anytime, reach out. Love it. Great. Well, we will drop a link to uh, Megan's LinkedIn profile in the show notes so you can find it there. Megan, again, thank you so much for taking the time today. This has been a great conversation. Hope you have a great rest of the day. You too. Thanks so much, Garrett. Today, enduring companies know that their people are their most important assets and they invest in helping them excel. But often, small businesses with limited HR resources struggle to manage their people, payroll, and processes efficiently and create an environment where frontline, deskless employees thrive. That's why we created Eddie. Eddie is the all-in-one HR suite built for local businesses that streamlines tedious HR processes and improves the employee experience for frontline workers. With Eddie, you can hire, manage, pay, and engage employees with one easy-to-use software. No headache required. You've already done the hard part by creating a great business. Now let us help you take it to the next level. Visit eddie.com today to request a demo.